everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Church, let me hear you. Who's excited to be in person? Come on, this is so fun. Oh, man. And hey, we just want to welcome those who are joining us online as well and say we're so glad that we are a family, whether we're online, here in person. And I also have another question. Uh, Who could agree with me and be a little bit like me in that you are super excited about spring? Who's excited about spring? Oh, my goodness. Now, here's how you know it's spring in Moncton. Uh, The temperature starts to get to an all-time high of minus two, and it's sunny, right? Everybody's out uh, in their shorts, barbecuing. It's still freezing, uh, but we really feel like it's spring, and we're very thankful that it's not minus 15 or minus 21 with the wind chill anymore. Can I get an amen from the church? Amen. Uh, I want to keep this interactive, so that being said, I would love to ask you this question. Raise of hands. How many uh, walkers or hikers do I have this room. Anybody that enjoys a nice walk with family, hiking, awesome. I see you there and online. Let us know as well. Now, I learned early on in my preaching not to get up here and ask people uh, whether they're like me and they like to run. The reason being that one of my first sermons, I got up and I said, hey, any, any runners in the room like me? Nobody raised their hand. No. <laughs> No, no exaggeration. And like, I, I literally could feel the hostility in the room. Like, they, they were like, not only do we not run, but we don't like. So that being said, I quickly pivoted and I said, okay, how many of you in the room don't like runners? Every hand in the room went up. No exaggeration. Every single hand in the room. I was speaking to a crowd of young adults. Uh, so I very quickly learned to talk about walking and hiking instead of running. So that being said, my wife Jess and I really enjoy hiking. The other day, we decided to go on a hike, and it was one of our favorite spots. We were really excited at the opportunity, and all of a sudden, we're walking up towards the trail, and what do we see but this? I feel like we've all been there. Uh, Justin and I were very excited. We saw this gate. It was a gate that was typically uh, not there. We, we were typically able to have general access to this trail. It's one of our favorite spots. And all of a sudden, we see this. We see uh, there was no, no trespassing sign. So of course, what did we do? We didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, trespass. We didn't trespass. I try to be a good example to the teens, to the young adults here. And that being said, I uh, I thought it wouldn't be good to trespass as your youth pastor. So FYI, we like to be law-abiding citizens. But I think we can say that typically when we see a gate, it's not the most fun thing in the world, especially when it's somewhere that we have general access to. If you go to Centennial Park, if you go to Riverview, if you go to Irishtown, and all of a sudden it's like we we had this fun family day planned, and now we can't. You got gatekeeped. That's why the title of our message today is Gatekeeping Grace. Can you say that with me? Gatekeeping Grace. What's that mean? The term gatekeeping, I've got the definition up on the screen, and what it is, is it's the activity of controlling and usually limiting general access to something. Maybe an example is if somebody were to come up to a hockey mom or dad and say, you're only a true hockey mom if you bring the team Timbits. That's gatekeeping. It's saying you're not a true hockey mom if you don't do this certain thing. Uh, Maybe for others, I I literally saw this example. Uh, Recently, we had St. Patrick's Day, and I saw this post that said, if you're not Irish, don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day or wear green. It's like, 
Now, now we're gatekeeping St. Patrick's Day. We've got to be Irish in order to do this. We see a lot of gatekeeping online. Maybe another example is saying, real music is from the 1980s. <laughs> I, I see, I, see I, I got a response there. <laughs> so that being said, um, does that mean that anything uh, from 1979 and backwards and everything from 1990s and, and forward is not music? Right? That's a tri- these are trivial examples. I'm getting certain yeses uh, in the crowd here. Let us know online if that's true. 1980s is the real music. Uh, <laughs> but we're in this last week of our Grace Work series. And we've spent these first three weeks talking about how grace is for each and every single one of you. Today, I want to talk about how we can receive that grace. But church, I think sometimes the struggle becomes when we know up here that we can receive grace and that grace is for us, but what the tension is, what happens when you think that grace is for you, but you put up a barrier between yourself and God's grace? What happens when people think, oh, well, well, God's grace is a thing, but then they put up a wall between themselves and God? I think that whether we've been a Christian for 20 years, two years, two months, or you haven't made that decision today, sometimes we all get in trouble for gatekeeping grace, where there's never any gate when it comes to receiving God's grace today. So that being said, I I hope that you remember the fact that God isn't about creating barriers, but he's all about building bridges. And we see this tension in the Bible, actually. John chapter four, we saw somebody that was being gatekeeped. John chapter four, if you've got a physical Bible or if you've got your phone, feel free to flip there right now. We'll be going there here in a couple minutes. But in John chapter four, we see this moment where somebody was gatekeeped. But before we go to John chapter 4, as you're flipping there, I want to recap probably my favorite week of this series. Um, I made this joke that Pastor Joel had these three home run weeks of this Grace Works series, and then I got to follow that up, right? Like, that, like, talk about pressure, right? And Pastor Joel, I know that he's watching this right now, and uh, I didn't plan this, but it would be okay if we showed him our appreciation. Can we just give him a round of applause? He'll be able to hear it. Pastor Joel, you're incredible. We hope you have such an incredible vacation. You are awesome. We are thankful for you. But one of my favorite lines from Pastor Joel is this, and I'll put it up on the screen. It says, would you rather be married to a law that blames you or Jesus that blesses you? I feel like so often we're caught up with the barriers and the blame that we forget the grace. We forget that Jesus wants to bless us. So that being said, I want to throw up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 before we go to John 4. And it says this, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that none can boast. Say that with me, grace through faith. Can you say that with me? Grace through faith. I'm excited to open up God's word, and as we go to John 4, all right, so those that can hear me in the room, eventually, there we go, look at that. It would be so fun if this was a fun like sermon illustration, but it really isn't. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for bearing with us. That's super weird. Anyway, um, 
I believe that God's word is powerful. How many of you guys believe that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword? Amen, absolutely. So uh, Pastor Joel says this all the time. Who is excited to open up God's word this morning? Let me hear you, church, whether you're in person or online. Absolutely. So that being said, I've got one more thing to add, and that is this. Last night, we actually had over 75 young adults worshiping God here in this building. And what's so cool, church, this is incredible. Talk about God's grace. Um, Talk about God's word. So that being said, that was a smooth transition. Oh my goodness. We've got a good tech team here. So that being said, um, what's so cool, I wasn't preaching last night, but guess what passage the preacher, totally uh, not coordinating with me, guess what passage he preached on last night? John chapter four. So I believe that there's coincidences, but then I believe that there's God coincidences. Can I get an amen for that? Let's go into John chapter four. But before I do, I want to pray over God's word. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you so much. You are so good. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for how incredible you are. And I just ask that it wouldn't be my words, it wouldn't be my wisdom, that ultimately, Holy Spirit, you would move in such a way that we get to experience you and your grace. That today, the barriers of guilt, of shame would be broken down and it would be replaced by the way that you, Jesus, bridged the gap. You died for our sins, that we can find grace through faith in you, Jesus. We just ask for your kingdom come and your will be done, your will, not ours. We pray this in your name. And all of the Jesus followers said, amen. All right, John chapter four, verse three. Let's go ahead. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now, quick pause. This would have been the moment where all the Jews in the room would have gasped. Can you guys gasp with me? They, they all would have gasped. It's like, oh my goodness, Jesus is going, he's going where? He's, he's going down to like Skid Row? Like, like what, what's, what's, a, what's a rabbi doing in Samaria? Jews weren't supposed to be in Samaria. This was a place where if they could build a massive wall to keep Samaria out, they would. If they could put up gates around Samaria, they would. This would be like a rowdy Montreal fan in Toronto during the big old game. Not a good idea, right? People were actually known, because of the racism that was seeped in that culture, people were actually known to be beaten up for crossing the barrier, whether it's a Jew in Samaria or a Samaria crossing over to the other side. So I, I, wanna, I think we've got to know that because Jesus, he, he doesn't really care about the barriers. He's going to meet right where you're at. So that being said, verse 5, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Verse six, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse eight, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So strike one, he's in Samaria. Strike two, when it comes to the legalism, Jesus was talking to a woman. Back then, misogyny was seeped into the culture. But one of the things that I'm proud of this International Women's Month is the fact that Jesus cares and empowers women. Amen, amen, absolutely. Verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Again, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans or women, by the way, when the rabbi was talking specifically to a woman. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and what it is that, who it is that asked you for this drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you've got nothing to draw with 
and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Is it also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. I could pray and close right there. That's good news, church. Oh my goodness. We're going to skip down to verse 19. There's some back and forth. The woman is kind of wrestling. She's saying, well, uh, what about this barrier up between the Samaritans and the Jews? And then in verse 19, she says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place that we must worship is in Jerusalem. Watch here in verse 21, church, as he breaks down the barriers. It says, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. In verse 23, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. A time is coming when the barriers will be broken down. There's going to be no barriers when we worship God. Verse 24, for God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Here's where the rubber hits the road, church. In verse 25, she says, the one said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. This is where Jesus drops the mic. Verse 26, church, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I'm the one that wants to break down the barriers. I'm the one that's not gonna gatekeep. I'm the one that's gonna break through barriers of racism, barriers of misogyny. I am he. It says in verse 27, that just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. Now, look at this next line. It says, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? See that? The disciples were thinking about the gate. They were thinking, well, why in the world, Jesus, are you talking to this woman? They were thinking about the gate, but Jesus ignored it. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah that we're so desperately looking for? Then we see in verse 39, there's a little bit more dialogue. And then in verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Another way to say it is this, many Samaritans in that town received grace through faith because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. In verse 41, it says, and because of Jesus' words, many more became believers. Many more accepted God's grace. And then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Sure, something powerful happened in this passage. All of a sudden, this woman, she went from being a Samaritan woman to being an evangelist. Church, I, I, I don't think we can fully grasp what this meant in that day. The fact that all of a sudden, this woman who had been divorced, who had been abandoned, who had been gatekeeped, all of a sudden, who was the evangelist? Was it Peter? Was it John? Was it James? Was it Jesus? It says that the woman went back to the town. So what I'm proud to say is this International Women's Month, we can say that God is going to meet you right where you're at. If you went to the Samaritan woman, there's not going to be any gatekeeping on Jesus' part. And for a moment, I want to talk to the skeptics in the room. 
Maybe the people that are still struggling with this whole following Jesus thing, you're not so sure what this Christianity thing is all about. I want to speak specifically to you and first and foremost say, welcome home. You're welcome and wanted here. And we are so honored that you're checking this thing out. But what I want to say is that the notion that God is out to gatekeep, spite, that he's an angry and vengeful God, I don't see that in the gospel. I see a God that is just, but he is also full of grace. And Jesus broke down the barriers of sin. He broke down the barriers that separated us from the Lord. And we can walk into him with full boldness as sons and daughters of the God most high. So I want to make that note before we jump in. Because church, what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believeth in him shall not what? Perish, but have eternal life. But I think the issues that maybe sometimes we run into is we forget verse 17. And this has to do with our first point. John 3.17 says this, for God did not send his son in the world to what? Condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I hope that today this can be a day not of condemnation, but one of conviction, realizing that God is not about barriers, but he's all about building bridges. That being said, our first point when it comes to God's grace today is this, Jesus saves. Church, I just got to say, I think we're more excited about that than, than we sometimes realize. Who's excited about the fact that Jesus saves? Oh my goodness. I think that so often, sometimes we hear it, that we become numb to it, the fact that Jesus saves. I think that in a world full of bad news, sometimes we need to realize that we don't serve the gospel. We serve the gospel. We serve the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jesus saves. Point number one. Not very profound, Austin. What, what's that all about? <laughs> um, the reason that I think we need to know this today is because sometimes I think we gatekeep Jesus as Savior. I think Jesus saves, but then we always like to add things, don't we? Jesus saves, but hey, you've got to clean yourself up before coming to know Jesus. Jesus saves, uh, but make sure you don't swim on Sundays. Jesus saves, but hey, if you're a hockey player or a lacrosse player or a rugby player, you should probably quit that sport because that's a very worldly sport. I think so often we get in trouble when we start to add a but and an and where Jesus says, Jesus saves. When you look at verse 20, you see the reality that she's trying to put up the barriers. She says, you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Maybe we could say, you Christians think we need to do this, or, or you need, think we need to do this. She, she said, Jesus, I can't follow you. I can't receive grace. But church, I just want to say that, that we serve a God that's all about building bridges and not barriers. You have no idea how often I've invited people to church and they've said, Austin, I can't come to church. I haven't been to church in 10 years. I'll probably, when I walk in, I'll probably catch on fire. And it's trivial to me because I know it's the absolute opposite. 
but it pains my heart because somewhere along the line, they were convinced that there's a gate at the front of our church building when in reality, Jesus is standing there saying, welcome home. Welcome home. So that's why I want to make the point that Jesus saves, period. We can't add to it. We shouldn't gatekeep it. The reality is that each and every single one of you, either you've made a decision to follow Jesus or today can be your day. I guess the big question when it comes to Jesus saves is this, are you going to choose the gate or are you going to choose grace? What is it for you? Maybe for some Christians, I would argue that whether you've been saved for 40 years, 20 years, two months, I would say when it comes to God's grace, one of the things that we need to be so careful of is are we putting up gates in our lives? I know that there's people listening to the sound of my voice right now that maybe you're struggling with a hidden sin. Maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe your identity isn't fully in God, but it's in in your work or it's in your family. And slowly, you're just building up the gate. You're saying, well, I keep on struggling with this sin. Man, I I wish I was was a better husband or a grandparent. Man, I, I keep on messing up. And all of a sudden, you've got this massive gate in front of you. The church, can I, can I just encourage you? Jesus never put it there. Jesus never put this gate in front of you. So I'm speaking to the Christians in the room, but now I, I want to take a moment and speak to the non-Christians in the room. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were invited to church, and they said, well, how much money do you have to pay to get in? And as Christians, we, we can laugh at that because it, it's free. It's not cheap, but it's free. For all the non-Christians in here, we want you to know that we hope that this is a church, that whatever you're doing on Saturday night, there's no gate to get in. We want you here, and you're welcome and wanted here at Moncton Wesleyan. You are welcome and wanted. So a couple months ago, I was talking to my friend Peter, and I invited him out to church, and he had come to a big event that we had put on, and I said, Peter, what did you think? Dude, you should, you should totally come on a, on a Saturday or on a Sunday or, or whenever we're doing events. He said, Austin, I haven't stepped into church since I was eight years old. I went to a Catholic church and I haven't been back since. And he said, because of the, the decisions I've made with my life, I, I, I feel like I'm going to be struck by lightning coming in. And I want to speak to the people in the room that have felt like that, that have felt undeserving of God's grace, that have felt undeserving of his love, that have felt undeserving of Christ's love through his people and say that there's, that there, there's a great stat. And here it is. That the people being struck by lightning coming into the church is at an all-time high of zero people. You're welcome and you're wanted here at church. That's our first point, that Jesus saves, period. The second point is this. Meet Jesus. Church, can you say that with me? Meet Jesus. Again, really profound, right? But verse 7, we see that the Samaritan woman said, uh, or in verse 7, you see that it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus, what did he do? He spoke to her. He said to her. Sometimes when we read this in 2021, uh, it's really easy for us to not realize how groundbreaking this was. It's easy for us to not realize that this was a really big deal. 
some people never meet Jesus because they don't even think that Jesus is willing to meet with them. I lived in the States for a number of years, and one of the things that many of us know is that uh, there's a lot more Christians in the States online. Where, where are my uh, American citizens at? Let us know where you're from. Um, had a really in, uh, enjoyable time while I was in the States, but one of the things I noticed is there was a lot of cultural Christians. Cultural Christians, what do I mean by that? I mean that there's a lot of people that kind of grew up in church or grew up hearing about Jesus, but church, I would argue that for so many people, they know a lot about Jesus, they've sung the songs, they've read the verses, they know John 3.16, maybe they made a decision 20 years ago, but they've never met Jesus. They've never walked with him. They've never talked with him. He's not their counselor, their friend, and that's not me casting stones. That's me saying, I desperately hope that people will come to know and meet Jesus who loves me, who loves you, that died on a cross for you. Because so many people know about Jesus, but it never gets from here to here. Am I right, church? It never gets from the head knowledge down to the heart, and they've never truly met Jesus. So as we're talking about breaking down the barriers with grace, I hope you know that maybe today is your time to meet Jesus. Maybe there's some people that at summer camp years ago, you made a decision. Maybe you made it in a church. Maybe you grew up in a church and you made that decision, but how long has it been since you've met Jesus? How long has it been since you've met Jesus? I hope today maybe is the day that the gate can be removed, that the barriers can be broken down. And maybe today, when I pray here in a couple minutes, we can meet Jesus. That's our second point. Our third and final point is this, accept and follow Jesus. Accept and follow Jesus. Can you say that with me again, church? Accept and follow Jesus. I think there's something powerful about saying it out loud because in verse 39, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? Of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Church, I wanna make this statement. Pastor Pat came up here and he talked about inviting to Easter. What I love about this passage is who was it that invited the entire town to see Jesus? Again, it wasn't James, it wasn't Peter, it wasn't John, it wasn't even Jesus, it was the Samaritan woman. It wasn't Pastor Mark, it wasn't Pastor Pat, it wasn't Pastor Austin, it wasn't Pastor Joel, it was the Samaritan woman, church. The incredible thing about this and the wild thing about this is all of a sudden this woman was transformed into this evangelist. This would be like me winning someone to Jesus. They just became a Christian today and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, Pastor Joel, Jim, I've, I've got an incredible idea. This person that I just won to Jesus, who's following Jesus now, I'd love for them to lead our youth ministry on a mission trip to Guatemala. Right, church? Great idea, right? <laughs> we, we, we find it funny, but isn't that what Jesus did here? It says that the entire town came out to meet Jesus. And church, we, we share these stories about people following and accepting Jesus in these mass numbers. And sometimes it's easy to read in the word, but think, man, is, what, what's happening right here, right now in 2021? Church, can I encourage you that God is moving right here, right now at Moncton Westland? That the Lord is doing incredible things. Real quick, I wanna share what God is doing with people accepting and following Jesus. First off, our spring kickoff at youth, we had 95 students online and in person. 
So cool, absolutely, let's give God some praise. It was like more students than we knew what to do with. It was so much fun. Here's a stat that I'm excited about. We've got 36 students at a local school. Mind you, 36 students at a local school that we didn't invite ourselves into, that school reached out to us and said, we want a Christian group in our school. 36 students out of those 36, 30 of them don't have a church home. They are encountering the gospel in new and fresh ways and it's transforming lives, transforming lives. And, and there's, there's stories I could share on top of that, but we actually have six students in summer ministry. They're applying to be a part of Caton's Island in different uh, ministries this summer and God is moving in our youth ministry. We had 25 young adults at a uh, recent event where we all went out and, and were sledding at UDM and we almost got frostbite, but it was so fun. Oh my goodness, church. And then just last night, over 75 people in this building worshiping God together, and we had a number of people come to know Jesus for the absolute first time last night in this building. God is working. Give him some praise. Oh my goodness, church. So the encouragement that I want to give to you today is this. If you're hearing my voice right now, the same thing can happen to you. If you're listening to the sounds of my words, and more importantly, hearing God's word today, John 3.17 says that it, he didn't come to condemn you, but he actually came to save you. That today can be your day to have a faith in Jesus Christ. You might be asking, okay, well, how, how does this happen? I would argue that it's as easy as ABC. Now, maybe there's a song in your head right now, you're kind of thinking about uh, the Jackson 5. For copyright reasons, I cannot play it, even though I would like to. It might not be by Michael Jackson, but it is by my Savior, Jesus Christ. And it goes a little bit like this. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, whether for the first time or for the first time in 20 years, it goes like this. A, you need to accept that we're all broken and sinful. I've messed up. Pastors aren't immune to sin. I need to accept that I'm broken. B, you've got to believe that Jesus can, wa can wash away our sins and that he died on a cross for you so that you didn't have to face punishment. Another way to say this is believing that God has a breakthrough for you today. If you're struggling, if this whole COVID thing has been wearing you down, you can believe that Jesus has a breakthrough for you today. A is accept, B is believe, and then C is confess. Confess today that Jesus is Lord of your life. Church, this is what it's all about confessing that Jesus is Lord. It says in Revelation that we will confess his glory for the rest of time. So when we confess God's love, when we confess him as Lord, when we make that decision to follow Jesus, we're just echoing what's gonna happen throughout eternity, that Jesus is king. He's king over your circumstances. He's king over COVID. He's king, he's king, he's king, and he wants to save you today. So church, is today your day? to go through the ABCs because it's easy as one, two, three, and I'm not gonna sing for you because that wouldn't be good. But let me put it this way. Has 2020 and into 2021 put a lot of things in perspective for you? Has it maybe 
made us realize what's really important? Has it made us realize that we took in-person church for granted, giving people hugs out in the atrium, getting to see family in different provinces, getting to go skiing at Wentworth? It's a personal one. Uh, but church, I think that for so many of us, it's pretty easy for us to take Jesus for granted. Is that true? Is it easy for us to take his grace for granted and all of a sudden before we know it, where there was no barrier maybe a couple months ago, all of a sudden this shame and this guilt has replaced the grace that God put in your life. So I wanna go back to the passage that we started with. Ephesians chapter two, eight through nine. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Through what? Faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it's a gift from God not by works so that no one can boast. So can I just ask you, are you gonna receive that gift today? In a moment, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna walk us through the ABCs. If God's tugging at your heart, if you feel this weird sensation, then I'm gonna blame that on the Holy Spirit. And I hope that today, whether your original decision was 20 years ago or you never made a decision, is today your day. I'd use this word picture and say that there's three types of people in this room. There's the honored guest. These are the people that haven't decided to follow Jesus yet. You're an honored guest. But the reality is eventually the honored guest goes home. We hope that you stay home today. You enter into God's home, God's house, God's kingdom, God's saving grace. The second is the friend. Maybe you're tight with Jesus, but do you really meet with him on a regular basis? The thing about a friend is you can come over to the house to God's house whenever you want, but you can't drive the family car, that'd be kind of weird. You can't get the inheritance. The second is the full follower, and this is family. This is a son and a daughter of the God most high. Again, I wanna ask you, are you ready to become a full follower today? Are you ready to be welcomed into God's family? Have you been gatekeeping God's grace in your life? Is there a barrier between you and God? My prayer is that today, that barrier can melt away and you can realize that God has bridged the gap between death and eternal life. Let me pray for that eternal life today. Let me ask you if you're going to accept grace through faith because grace works. Let's pray, church. Well, Father God, we come before you so broken knowing that first and foremost, God, we have all messed up. God, we come before you accepting the fact that we're broken, we're sinful, that we've fallen short, but that you, Jesus, are in the business of breaking down gates. That you defeated death on a cross, that you release us from shame, you release us from condemnation, you release us from the guilt of sin, you release us from all those things that are weighing us down. God, we believe that you can wash away our sins and I pray for every person in this room that God, you would wash away our sins. And God, finally we confess that Jesus, you are Lord. God, I also ask if there's somebody that wants to make that decision today, whether for the first or the fifth time, that they pray this along with me. King Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sinful, I'm broken. 
and I repent of that. I turn over a new page. Wash me clean, Jesus. Take away my sin, take away my guilt. And I confess you, Jesus, as Lord. And today is my day where I choose to follow you. Follow in your grace, follow in your kindness, your love, your joy, your peace. And here in a moment with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you made that decision today, I'm gonna to count to three and I'd like for you to raise your hand. The eyes are closed in this room and this is a way of you saying, Jesus, I'm yours. I've decided to follow Jesus. So if that's you today, I'm gonna to count to three. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day for a new page. And three, raise your hands if you made that decision to follow Jesus. Praise God, praise God, God is so good. It says right now in his word that all of heaven is rejoicing because people have passed over from death to life, from darkness to light. And King Jesus, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for what you're doing in this place. Because God, we believe that a movement is being birthed here. That God, we can see revival in our generation and we give you praise and honor and glory for what you're going to do. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.